What's up? Welcome to a very special half mini point five version of Movie Schmovie. This is episode three eighty point five. Uh, we, we're doing a little bonus episode this weekend because there's so many new movies out, and we did our very special episode a couple of days ago on the DC Extended Universe tier list and our review of The Flash, which is in theaters now. Um, I'm still shaking from the excitement of that. I know it went it, it went so well, guys. We got to do yeah. it again. <laughs> um, but yeah, we were just talking like we've seen so many other things um, that we just haven't really had time to feature on the podcast because we did that special Flash DCEU episode. So we right. just wanted to kind of get together a quick uh, 0.5 epi on some of the newer releases that are in theaters now, um, maybe came out last week in theaters, or even finally made their way to VOD uh, for video on demand if you want to check some of the stuff at home. But um, I don't know, John, why don't you start real quick? Because I know you mentioned you saw Bo is Afraid, and that's probably the, the, the video on demand option if you want to check something out at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you mentioned you saw I don't know if you saw it, Ronald. I haven't had a chance haven't to watch that yet. yet. But uh, I don't know. Tell tell us what you thought of Bo was afraid, John. Yeah, I was very happy that it was on a, a, a home uh, video. Home video. <laughs> it was available on demand um, so quickly uh, because I had sort of missed this one when it came to our local art house theater, and I was afraid this would be one of those movies that would kind of linger out there in the art right. house theaters for a few months, or you know, sometimes they can still make you wait almost half a year or something for some of these. Yeah. So, like, sure. you feel a little guilty when you miss something. I'm, I, I like Ari Aster's uh, other movies a lot. I admire the 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 sensibility there. And um, this movie honestly had sort of. I was a little. Ronald and I have talked about it a couple times. I was afraid of a three hour movie. Uh, you know, but John was afraid uh, of a of a three hour movie that I was just like, I wasn't sure I was ready to sit down when I heard how odd it was. I was just like, mm-hmm. I don't know that I will be able to hang in there with a movie that's that demanding of attention that might be like trying also to throw your attention off the way sometimes a a, a long movie like that can do, especially if it's For a sure. dreamlike movie. We were talking about this with uh, recent required viewing selection, Ganja and Hess, where it was like, how much are you going to hang in there with artistic imagery? that's not really selling a narrative so much as it's about a mood. And sometimes it can sort of, you know, you wonder if you're really logged in for an experience like that. So I was glad to finally watch it. And, um, you know, I, I, there were like about an hour to an hour and a half in, I was sitting there thinking, I I think I kind of love this. And then there's like a middle hour. That's, that's like when it starts to feel it's not, it doesn't like slip in quality. It's just, that's when it becomes much more interested in taking you on this kind of um, more of an internal dreamlike journey than, than like a straight narrative. And then when it catches up with itself at the end, it gets crazy, but it hews close to the storyline that, that was interesting in the beginning. So I, I really do think that there's like a, a really uh, creepy, very funny, very darkly funny, uh, two-hour movie with like a almost like an hour's worth of dreamlike interludes sort of thrown into it. And if you know, if you like Joaquin Phoenix, and if 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 the name Ari Aster, if if that, or however you say it, Ari Aster, if that sounds like you know, oh yeah, those those that that guy who made those movies I like, uh, then then I think a lot of people are going to be sort of interested in this the way that you're interested in. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about another movie by a, by a person with a with like an artistic vision um, in this episode that is, um, you know, people are sort of on board for it or they're not when, when you go to see a movie like this. So yeah. um, I looked and I noticed this movie, it costs like, you know, upwards of 30 million uh, wow. and uh, made back about 10 um, or a little <laughs> over 10. 
So like it's not like the most expensive boondoggle failure in the world, but it is sort of like this was the sort of blank check moment for maybe Ari Aster, where he's he's had a couple of movies that were well received and and now it's like probably it it probably won't be that easy to get 30 million again <laughs> or whatever the movie costs. But um right. I feel like it's fine if an artist sort of makes the movie that I mean, I think this clearly is a movie that they wanted to make. And um without revealing too much about where the story goes, it is it does go to some pretty interesting places and have some imagery that is, um, you know, if you know the other movies, uh, Midsummer and uh, Hereditary, they have like haunting imagery and memorable uh, things that happen in them. Uh, even I've seen people that don't particularly love the movies that much, people that refer to them just because of like lingering ideas that they've kind of thrown into the culture. And I feel like Bo is Afraid has a few moments like that that are, um, you know, for lack of a better phrase, uh, kind of iconic in that way. But I don't know how many people are going to watch this movie, you know? Yeah, <laughs> frankly, I mean, I don't know, you know, that that three hour runtime and kind of a hard to pin down narrative. You can't really sell people. Um, I don't know how many people are going to are going to sign on for it. But if they do, I think, you know, I think there's a lot here. <clears throat> cool. Is is this the kind of thing where you think like th- this was maybe the big shot, his big shot, like the in terms of budgets? It does feel like he's trying to comment on life on on life, like a, a much broader commentary, you know, than his okay. other movies. Um, and like, he's put a lot of ideas into this. It's got kind of an, um, at one point he described it as a Jewish Lord of the Rings, but the guy's just trying to go home and see his mother, uh, not, you know, put the ring in the volcano. Um, but, and I, and I get where he's coming from with that because it does have a, uh, a sort of folk tale kind of logic to it. And it spins into these moments that feel very, um, I don't know, like there's a, there's a, a mythic quality to the journey that that this character goes on. And and Joaquin Phoenix is great. And again, when I say funny, there is something funny about him in almost every scene, even when um, sometimes you're infuriated by how much he just knuckles under so much. He comes into contact with something and he just almost always acquiesces. And that's kind of a frustrating thing to watch a character do for three hours. But that's what the movie's about, is a sort of guy who... Um, you know, in some moments, it seems like he's a spectator to events that are happening around him rather than a participant. And and like, yeah. you start to understand why he's so frozen inside. And it's really dark and kind of funny, but really dark. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but there is a story there. I mean, there is cool. a real story there that like, I, you know, like I said, there's definitely, and, it, and it's got creepy vibes and all the stuff you might want from an Ari Aster movie, but you do, you know, you have to settle in, but at, maybe at home, people are more likely to take the trip. Right on. Um, all right. So the other one, I guess we'll do the boogeyman next. Cause that came out, uh, last week. Yeah. Uh, wait, the week, no, that actually came out the week that Spider-Verse came out. Yeah. Cause I saw that at a matinee the same day I saw Spider-Verse. Right. We just haven't had a chance to talk about it, but since you saw it too, does that um, count as uh, counter-programming Steve? Um, I think so. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a, a that's a Fox release and that's, uh, now under Disney. And I think that's like, oh, horror makes money. So let's put this out and see for anybody who might not be going to see Spider-Verse. Yeah. Uh, but, I, you know, the movie didn't do that well. And yeah. I don't know how long until it makes its way to home video, but um, or video on demand, rather. So you got you got me saying home video now. Um, uh, video but yeah, I mean, th- th- this really hit the radar mainly because it's based off of a, a Stephen King short. And also because it's the, I guess, uh Big, uh, de- not the debut, but like, you know, the major studio debut from Rob Savage, the guy who did Host, which um, I think all three of us really enjoyed and was one of the better movies released during the pandemic. Um, 
I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I like this movie. I feel like it was, uh, you may have been a little more positive on it. I think the, my biggest issue with it is that like, I feel, you know, ba- the, the, the idea of taking this short story that it's based on, which I, which I've read and which is like a scene in the movie and kind of taking mm-hmm. it out of that and building a movie around that short story is a really cool task and a challenge. And for someone like Rob Savage, I think that's a, a cool thing. Um, there, are, there's a lot that I like about the movie, but I think I, w- one of the weird things that really kind of got me was like, I, I don't know that I really liked any of the performances in the movie. And, you know, I really like Chris Messina in general. I don't think he's in the movie enough or all that much. Um, and especially considering that, like, you know, the scene that the short is based on in the movie is like a major scene for him. I, I did really like that sequence of the film, like the whole, um, session with him and David Dalsbushian's character. Yeah. 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 But um, the probably, daughter who probably one of the best parts of the movie for sure. Yeah, for that sure movie. that sequence was great. Um, but the daughter, um, the one daughter who's in uh, Yellow Jackets, her, her name is escaping me. She plays the young version of Juliet Lewis's character yeah. in Yellow Jackets. Um, I don't know. I just didn't really, I just didn't really buy her in the movie. I think she's really good on Yellow Jackets, but I didn't really enjoy the performance here. And I think that you know the approach of taking you know, like the Jaws and alien approach of like not showing the monster, you know, you, you can kind of like count the seconds or minutes that the, the creature, the monsters on screen. It's pretty effective choice, but I feel like, you know, as the movie builds and shows more and more of it, I think it then starts to rely too much on the, like the jump scare stuff and, you know, the, the way it uses light, which I thought earlier in the movie was kind of cool the way it's like teasing what's in the dark. Yeah. And then it starts to show more and more of what's in the dark. And I kind of found that less and less interesting um, as it kind of started to reveal all that. But I mean, you know, for an hour and 40 minute, hour and 50 minute, you know, horror film, I thought it was fine. Uh, but I guess, you know, I was hoping for a little more from, I get mainly because of the Rob Savage. Like I was very curious to see what he did with like his first kind of bigger adaptation. Um, I mean, it's still a recommend for me, like to check it out. Um but with everything that's in theaters now, you know, this movie definitely is getting swallowed um, and it'll, you know, it'll be on video on demand soon enough. And I mean, it, when it gets there, I would say, check it out. So this is like a hold up for me and uh, kind of see it when it or no, it's a wait for it. A, a wait for it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And and grab it when it's on video. Yeah, on uh, new listeners may not know. We used we, you just heard why we didn't really stick to our scale because we always got confused about it, but it's three levels. Yeah. It's go ahead, which means that's like our green light. Yeah. It's uh wait for it, which used to mean wait for things to come out at, uh, on home video cassette. Um, <laughs> but now it means go to like, blockbuster yeah. or Errol's and get the, get the actual VHS. No, it means like yeah. day and date streaming. And then hold up is like the, there's nothing for you to see here. And then we had another category right. called you were warned that we really didn't yeah. do too much with, but it was always out there. No, actually, I don't right. know. I don't know that my feelings are that much different from, from yours. Honestly, okay. I sat down to watch this movie and I was realizing if you sort of sit down to watch one of these, you know, middle ground kind of PG 13 horror movies, um, you just sort of can decide am I, am I, am I going to like this or am I not going to like this? If you decide you're going to like it, you sort of can dig in and enjoy it. If you decide you're going to pick it apart, it's almost like I'm totally on the fence with movies like this. Right, right. Um, and this one, I think the reason why I liked it, the reason why I came through on the liking it was because of how simple it kept it. I do agree that Chris uh, Messina is not in the movie much, but he, I thought he was good where he was. And I also thought that the movie gave me a good re- reason why he was kind of recessive. Like, 
I was getting frustrated with this character and then realizing, oh, uh, there's a big reason why like you see that he's, yeah he's holding back, you know, he, he's kind of stunted. Um, I think that for me, the overall horror trope of like people dealing with a tragedy and that's like part of the trauma that they get, they process through the horror of the story. I feel like that's becoming kind of an overused thing for me. Like that was something that I thought this movie dealt with well in the, in the fact that it was really dealing with it. Sure. But I also thought that it feels like, oh yes, once again, we're catching up with a family that has, you know, dealt with uh, a loss and that's where we find them when they, when they start to encounter the creepy stuff. But no, I thought that the simplicity of it was good. I liked the idea of creating this, it kind of passes this creature on from one household to another. And I think the fact that they didn't answer questions like Ronald, there's no, there's almost no at all anyway of that. Um, like n n none of that, like librarian character that knows, um, the secret of the creature or the microfiche. Like there's a tiny bit of online research and there's a character who says a couple of lines about the thing, mm. but there's no like explanation of the creature scene where the person knows the rules of it. And I, th I feel like that made it feel a little bit, it, it kept it small and simple. And I think if you start to think too much beyond what this movie shows you, that's when I started to pick it apart. Steve was when I was thinking about like, I don't right. quite understand the logistics of this situation in the real world of what's happening. Like it seems like people aren't investigating things that are happening enough and that the cops are like real cynical and you're supposed to there's one scene where a cop is like ah there's nothing going on here but it seems like the cops would be more interested in in the you know the the non-supernatural seeming crimes that are happening um rather right. than uh just like so quick to dismiss it so i don't know i i felt like i liked though in the end that it was like this is kind of a b-movie level story that you know has a I, in for me the the eventual reveal of the, how the creature works i thought was pretty creepy and I, I liked the sort of design of where we we sort of see its final form or what's going on with it but i do agree with you steve that it hit a point in the middle of the movie where they didn't really make it seemed like scenes would just end and there was no evidence of like what had really happened right what what why the creature was was uh, leaving or not leaving or what was what it was trying to do like they they sort of allude to the fact that it likes to toy with people but that doesn't really buy you uh, all the stuff that happens in the movie as far as like w what are the mechanics of what it's trying to do in some ways i like that they didn't explain it and other ways i feel like maybe there's a couple little details that could have added to it but um no i i think i overall enjoyed it um because I sort of knew, I mean, you know, sometimes you just know not to expect great things because I feel like you would have raved about it if it was great. Uh, right. <laughs> so when I said I was going to see it and you were like, yep, I saw it too. And, and then I was like, <laughs> all right, that's the tell. But it, but but I will stress, I did enjoy it, and I did enjoy the ending. I liked the note that it ended on. There was just a little, there were a couple of things I liked about the last moment that that I thought were effective and creepy that I could you know, if we were doing a spoiler chat, I could, I could yeah. describe, I could describe how that scratches uh, an itch that I have that I like when horror does certain things. But um, no, I think that people know what they're getting into with this one. And I do agree with what you said, Steve, too, about just this movie is up against it as far as, yeah. if you're going to go to the movies right now, you know, I think that this, you don't, you'd only choose this one if, if two or three other movies were, were sold out probably. If right. Right. The average movie goer. So All what right. Have, uh... What have you seen, Ronald? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, oh, the so, blackening. Yeah, I was gonna say. Well, I don't want to talk about the blackening, Ronald, because I think oh, you and John saw that, right? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. Okay. Um, Thoughts? I thought it was really, really funny, man. Uh, Dwayne Perkins, uh, who plays one of the characters, we found out wrote the script for this. Uh, he's a he's a 
writer on a, a bunch of stuff, but really funny character actor that just kind of came through in this movie that seemingly balanced this real like heightened sort of comedy with some some pretty spooky moments in the movie i i I thought it was fun i thought it was fun i mean it is a crowd pleaser it's one of those movies that you should watch with a lot of people you should encourage people to talk shit you should encourage people (laughs) you know it, it just had this really fun feel to it in the movies it really and it and it countered all of the stuff that you expect you know it's it it does some in the end though one of the one of the big surprises was kind of lame but but the motives for said killer i thought was was pretty funny and layered and just wasn't what i was expecting so i i I thought all the actors were great um some some may look familiar to you uh one of them is uh man let me get some names so i don't squander this opportunity to talk about this movie um What's this character's name? Um, Melvin Gregg, who's in um, huge, he he had a huge part in um, the House Party movie that just came out, Snowfall. He was a huge character in Snowfall across a couple of seasons, um, and he was he showed up in Dave a couple of times. And American Vandal. People yeah. definitely recognize him from American Vandal. Um, he's he's like one of those Vine stars <laughs> that transitioned into acting and kind of it's kind of killing it. Well, he's got um, a real easygoing charm yeah. too, that just is like one of those things you like to watch on screen. And like I, I would say that you don't really buy the, the characters are sort of like sketch characters. Like I, I, you you said spooky. You said there's a couple of spooky moments, and that's the right word, Ronald, because th- it's not scary. Yes, <laughs> it's it's spooky. It's like a little bit like it's not even really creepy. It's just like fun. It reminds me. I, I I'm sure there is a category of like movies that have that tone. You you might think you know what this movie is. Even I thought I knew what this movie was going to be, and was surprised. I mean, like sitting down to watch it, I thought I knew the, what the format of the movie was going to be, but the movie kind of quickly reveals that it's doing something a little different. Um, and you know, that there's like one sentence that you could spoil one of the movie's main conceits. So I would never touch it. But, um, I think that what you said about the cast, Ronald is the main thing that like most of the performers here are doing really funny character work. I think Jermaine Fowler, Fowler, um, is a little bit too cartoonish. Like his character was like basically an Urkel level performance. (laughs) Um, which is funny, but it also felt a little too broad. I mean, frankly, it was too broad compared to the work that other people were doing that that was like, it yeah. didn't fit in the world. But it was funny. It's kind of what you said, Ronald, about like the kind of lame twist or whatever. It's a, th- This movie kind of embraced its sort of corny side. Um, but if w- when you go through that, you get to some of those really funny character moments you're talking about. And it does have just enough kind of a, of a life or death situation going on that whether it's like you're not really getting super creeped out or anything, it's still very entertaining. And what it has much more on its mind, like it's much less of a commentary on horror movies than it is about like, um, kind of like depictions of blackness in in horror movies and or in this type of movie. And so yeah. it's like there's a couple of really funny and there's one long conversation we were talking about, Ronald, in the movie uh, I, that, again, I wouldn't spoil the gag of it, but that where all the characters are getting into some of these some of these moments that just felt very I mean, as a as a as a 
middle-aged white guy watching this, I was like, oh, I feel like there's a lot of real talk happening in this movie about certain things that, you know, played for comedy and for broad purposes. But I, I kind of think it's interesting to see a movie like this, that's a comedy that's kind of going down the middle and trying to be a mainstream comedy to tackle some of these, these themes in a way that's not the same way that Jordan Peele is doing it. Um, you know, right. it's a little bit, a little bit broader and a little bit more, uh, you know, funny the way that this movie tackles some of those same issues. Yeah. It's worth checking Very out cool. for sure. Yeah, I want to check um, it out. I've heard nothing but good things about it. I, w- I want to mention one more movie, uh, Hulu's Flaming Hot. Have you guys had a chance to see that based no. on Richard Martinez's, uh It's it's a it's a autobiography that he wrote that got pretty much made into a script. Um, it's um, directed by Eva Longoria and. Written by uh, Linda Yvette, what's the last name? Chavez, who did uh, Gentified, who had some a writing credit on that. Um, it's a, it's just one of those movies. It's it's small budget, well acted, really really fun movie, man. The, uh, between Jesse Garcia, who plays Richard Montanez and his wife, um, uh, Annie. Gonzalez to, to just kill it, man. It's just a fun movie, and you root for him. You know, you know in the end what's going to happen. But seeing right. the 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 this guy was a gang member, like an active gang member who went from you know stealing to to janitor to working his way up in this corporate structure, and just seeing that story is so motivating. Now I think that anybody could really relate to it you know also is really good in it um the all-state guy um <laughs> dennis Haysburg, the former president uh, uh, yeah, of uh, yeah. jack bowers america yeah i was just waiting for him to say that's all day stand i he was so fucking good in it the dynamic between um jesse garcia who plays richard and this character clarence just like i i cried i cried during one of the parts man it just it's a cool story, real small story that'll, you know, it'll it'll make you feel good. Cool. Uh, last thing, John, tell me in one minute what you thought of Asteroid City. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, I will I'll start off by saying that um, whereas uh, the Flash was a movie that the more I thought about it, the 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 less I liked it in my mind. Asteroid City was a movie that the more I thought about it, the more I liked it. But it is a, definitely a, many of the things I said about uh, the uh, Bo is Afraid could apply to this. This is a particular filmmakers like it. It the the, the trailer sells you like an all star comic romp that deals with the the storyline that is in the movie. There is a storyline in the movie, but the way that it's revealed is sort of like done in such a way that makes you <clears throat> indifferent to what would be big moments or, you know, feelings that you have. And there's definitely a lot to enjoy about this movie, but it's a very fragmented storyline. And it's like, it's a very strange movie that I really think is not going to, you know, the the line everyone uses about Wes Anderson nowadays, right? It's not going to win over new fans, uh, but uh, the diehards are probably going to find a lot to love here. And I've seen opinion all over the board. I mean, I've seen some people who say this is his best, and I've seen some people who say this is him out on a limb, uh, you know, more than he's ever been. I definitely felt like this one took a while for it to sink in with me. But I know when I talked to you before, Steve, I said I hadn't had like a click moment with it. Yeah, I think yeah. something really clicked. 
and I wouldn't want to say more about it except to say that I think it has to do with storytelling and like whether storytellers themselves know what their stories are about and like what the power of their stories are and how they're how they're how they're brought to life um and i the so because there is like a framing device in the movie that's really interesting but it works against and, and this is what we were talking about before it works against like that idea of a cohesive narrative that you can follow with these characters and sometimes i do want to see oh i wish i could see the the big funny comedy with all these great actors in it that this the trailer sold me but i also am a fan of wes anderson's stuff so i'm i'm gonna be on board with him getting to do something that's this beautiful and you know and it truly is beautifully photographed like there are moments with like sunlight coming down on people through like uh like a uh uh like a or whatever you call that like a trellis or whatever that's got like a, a pattern and sunlight's coming down and it looks like a painting you know and then other times it really does look like a a, a, po a photograph on an old postcard um and you're looking at it going how much of that is digitally composited how much of that is a set they built i know they shot it out in the desert in spain so i don't know how much set building they did beyond the obvious homes and buildings and stuff but in that sense it's a beautifully constructed wes anderson kind of dollhouse world but if you're sitting there going what does he do with it what story is told why does it start here and end here i do think that a lot of people are going to be coming out of it going oh okay well i saw that um and I, even I felt that way for a couple of days. So, uh, and I, and I'm, I am a self-avowed fan. So, um, I guess proceed with caution if the trailer made you think, oh, this looks like one of his really, you know, whatever it is that you wish he would get back to. I don't know what your favorite Wes Anderson <laughs> is, Steve. Um, but maybe I should ask, what's your favorite Wes Anderson? Uh, probably Tenenbaums. Okay. That's a that's that's an example of what I'm saying. I would love to see him do now something that hangs together that has that much of like a clear yeah. point and jokes and scenes that move fast and all that stuff. But at the same time, um, like I said, there's a lot to admire in a movie like uh, Asteroid City. Um, so I'll probably Ooh. see it a second time and have much stronger feelings about it. But I know that when I, when I came out of it, I was a little, it was like later on a weeknight and I was kind of tired and the movie did not like, I didn't walk out of it energized. I walked out of it going, oh boy. <laughs> mm. So that one's in limited release right now. It's going yes. wide next Friday. So depending where you're listening, it may be available in theaters. If not, it'll be out in a few days. Um, yeah, I'll say go cool. ahead because it's good because it's beautifully made. But I think I I think I said enough things to offer a caveat, right, to people that are not uh, yeah Wes Anderson yeah. aficionados. Sounds good. Um, all right, that, that'll be it for now. We'll we'll come back at the end of the week with a full episode get back to our required viewing and just kind of back in the rhythm of things, but wanted to get these quick reviews out uh, for anybody looking for some options in theaters on demand streaming. I think we got you covered. Uh, Moviesmovie.com is the website, uh, youtube.com slash moviesmoviepodcast. And uh, we'll see you in a couple of days. And as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.